You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Pride of Detroit podcast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. It's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. That's right. Righteous Felon Jerky and Meat Sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park. Each two ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein, and each stick has eight grams of protein. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions, it's gonna be good enough for you too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and they use locally sourced all natural Black Angus beef, and they pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offerings. Go to RighteousFelon.com and use the promo code POD15 at checkout to get 15% off your order. That's promo code POD15 at RighteousFelon.com. Welcome to the Pride of Detroit POD cast, prideofdetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, <laughs> Pride of Detroit on Facebook. Wow, we're getting uh, adequate already here. Welcome to the Pride of Detroit POD cast live on twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit. And welcome to the offseason. No more football. No more football. That was the name of a Hunter S. Thompson poem. I'm not going to talk about the rest of that. Anyway, uh, no more football for a while until uh, the XFL. If you're into that, I can see I can see already there are souring faces on this whole idea. Uh, a lot of former Lions in the XFL, I've learned very recently, like going through the through the roster. But anyway, welcome in. We are going to continue our offseason primer this week. We're going to take a little bit of time to talk about the Super Bowl because we all watched it. And we all want to have some fun here and uh also talk about more lions news as always but first i am chris perfett the adequate host at chris perfett on twitter jeremy reisman the fearless leader at detroit online is here how are we doing i was doing great until you reminded me that now there are seven months of uh non-nfl sanctioned football ahead which makes me sad because staring down the nba baseball oh god no, don't say that. I'm I'm more excited for the USFL than talking about basketball or baseball or, or hockey, especially in this town. I especially in this town. Especially in this town. Especially in this town. I think we ran the poll about how many people would actually go to a Michigan Panthers game instead of the Tigers, and it was disturbingly close. It was disturbingly close, let's just say. Uh Ryan Matthews. Back is the motherfucking rock guy. At Ryan underscore a P-O-D. He is here as well. Hello, Ryan. Hello, I am excited to be talking about the Super Bowl. Jeremy might be excited to talk about it for the second time today. Um, to, to this, you beat to, me to the joke, you son of a bitch. Yeah, well, I had to. Um, so, so Jeremy will 
probably affectionately refer to this podcast as the scraps. Um, <laughs> anything that anything that fell through the fingers when he was on the uh, the big boy SB Nation NFL show earlier. Was that because Brandon was probably too distraught to do it? No, I've been doing that podcast all uh, all playoffs. Oh, I've been. Yeah, you're just now finding out that I've been cheating on you for the past month. <laughs> <laughs> It is a bit delayed. It's it's kind of hard. How, how do you miss it when he's always retweeting it? I don't know. I just I just randomly saw it today, and I he was like, "Oh, look at Jeremy." Well, yeah, that too. <laughs> well, anyway, so let's. I I I like to keep it Lions focused, but I guess both you guys really want to do three segments today. And we want to talk about the the Super Bowl. So let's talk about the Super Bowl. One of the better ones I've seen in a moment, and I think that we've just like started to open the conversation on Patrick Mahomes being the goat. Not long after the Tom, uh, after everyone's like Tom Brady, unquestioned seven rings. Here we are with Patrick Mahomes, who just won a Super Bowl on one leg with like multiple finals and, and season MVPs and two Super Bowls and three appearances. And basically in five years, the AFC has ran through Kansas city. And they beat that team. They beat that Eagles team, which is an incredibly good team. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> there's there's legitimate talk of dynasty now, right? In Kansas City, they've they've well, won they, two Super Bowl Bowls in four years. They've they've been three times out of four years. And and I said this on on my my cheating podcast, but I think the definition of a of a dynasty has to change uh, from sport to sport. And to make it to three Super Bowls in four years is incredible in and of itself because we're talking single elimination playoffs because we're talking about so much year to year change with rosters. And I think the biggest accomplishment of Kansas city winning this super bowl is the fact that they did it now with Patrick Mahomes, not on a rookie contract. That is not easy to do in today's NFL. And that deserves kind of its own celebration. I think. Well, dynasty. And I want to pitch this to Ryan too, about that definition of dynasty, but like, I don't know how you argue against it being a dynasty because Ryan, if like tomorrow Andy Reid retires and there's already been rumblings about that, I don't think that's going to happen, no. but you know, did, did, is this going to be a thing where Super Bowls are going to be won and we wonder if the coach is going to immediately retire? Well, is that, is that going to become like a trend now or something? But Andy Reid already said he's not going to, so I don't know why people yeah. are getting up and up about well, it. Well, like family stuff, but like he's like 10 years ago, he had a son die and like, he's still coaching. He just, what he likes to do. Um, but anyway, if tomorrow Andy Reid retires and Patrick Mahomes like can't play football again, people will still talk about this era of Chiefs football, Ryan, as like the Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes period. And that by itself, with the success in that period, denotes a dynasty. I mean, you can't tell the history of the NFL for the better part of half a decade without talking about the Chiefs. And I think what happened is pretty obvious. Like the Patriots warped our understanding of what a dynasty is, especially yeah. in football. Yeah. Yes. Um, and, and and that got thrown thrown so out of whack that you just have to look at Mahomes' accomplishments. And funny enough, I think it was Pro Football Network, and I'm not trying to not trying to, you know, exchange barbs here with, with Kent or anything, but they put out a tweet about Andrew Luck being a, a Hall of Famer. And I was like, not even close. Like if you want to talk about somebody whose career, if it ended tomorrow, they would have to have a resume that looks like Patrick Mahomes in order to be in the hall of fame. And I, I total sidebar, but I, I think the, the point is like 
who was this win bigger for? Was it was it bigger for Pat Mahomes' legacy? And I hate legacy talk, but we're doing it because uh, we're talking <laughs> about the Super Bowl. Was it bigger for Pat Mahomes or was it bigger for Andy Reid? I, the only reason I say Andy Reid is because his runway is probably shorter at this point, right? Sure. Um, but it's also, I mean, he's also been doing it for longer. And I mean, that, that narrative that he can't, he can't win the big games. He can't win, you know, playoff games is, is long dead and gone by this point. And maybe, maybe this is the final, you know, dirt on the coffin or whatever. But um, I, I don't know. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is going to be back I, again and again I, and again. And I think it's I bigger know. for Patrick Mahomes because from being inside terrestrial sports talk radio, like we were teetering on if Patrick Mahomes had lost this game, that people were ready to talk him into he's John Elway 2.0. He can get teams to the mountaintop, but he cannot win the bit. He cannot win the Super Bowl. But that, that's that's where we were. If he had lost two of three Super Bowls, people were ready to start charting him that way. But and again, he won that. On one damn leg, it got re-injured in the game and he's out there hobbling around. And during that first half, you could tell the Eagles were trying to bring pressure to target him in that regard. He got re-injured. He was like howling on the sidelines, limping to the locker room at half. We were all making our Toradol jokes and he gets hit again in the second half and you can see him kind of walking it off. And he still is leading those final drives to seal that game. Like that's that like throw out. I mean, you talk about legacy, Ryan, talk about narrative, talk about like people were talking about that moment as being like MJ as the MJ Gatorade game or, or the, or the Marino chicken soup game. Like that kind of the idea that you have that much adversity and, and pain thrown on you and you still end up the champion. Go ahead, Jeremy. I mean, I was just going to I was going to expand it to all quarterback play in this game because Jalen Hurts deserves a ton of credit, too. That was that was one of the best quarterback Super Bowls of all time. I think I think it's it's totally fair to say that. Yeah, Jalen Hurts is getting a lot of money this offseason. He sure is. And and that's going to change things for for Philly and the way they build a team and all that sort of stuff. But man, um, if you if you take away, obviously, the, the biggest maybe the biggest play of the game is. Um, ridiculous fumble and that was returned for a touchdown. He basically played a perfect game. And I'll be honest, I I counted myself amongst the Jalen Hurts doubters for most of the year, even going into this game. I wondered if he could go toe-to-toe with someone like Patrick Mahomes because the Eagles have had kind of an easy route all the way to the, the Super Bowl. And so I was like, all right, let's see how he does with the big boys. And, um, you know, the Chiefs defense isn't great, but it's not bad either. And he laid perfect pass upon perfect pass upon perfect pass. And then was also the leading rusher for his team. And so I, 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 I my big question, I guess here is has Jalen hurts already worked his way. I, I, I don't want to talk about Patrick Mahomes legacy because we know what it is. We know how good he is. He's the und, und, undisputed number one quarterback in the league. My question is where has Jalen hurts worked himself in this conversation I think top 10 is almost a given at this point. Has he almost worked his way into top five? Well, before we get there, I do want to just real quick sidebar 
the one kind of talk I cannot tolerate today, uh, the Monday after the Super Bowl, is hearing people say that, oh, yeah, we should have seen this coming for the Eagles. They didn't really play anybody this year. That's BS. Like right. that Eagles team That's not what I was trying to threw yeah, yeah, everything right. at the wall to stop Patrick Mahomes, and they just came up just a bit right. short. Like I, I, I know I hated the sequence of play. Jeremy, you had per- you were perfectly okay with it, and I refuse to argue about the holding call anymore. But like if Chiefs hadn't done that where they had um was it Sky Moore who slid instead of going in for the touchdown? I, I can't yeah, remember. Jarek McKinnon. It was McKinnon. He slid like a y- three yards short of the of of the goal line, and then they kneel the ball to keep to burn the clock down to like six seconds after a, after a go ahead field goal, giving Hertz no time there. But like, if that hadn't happened, if if McKinnon had scored, like we could have absolutely seen like Jalen Hurts going out on the shield to win that game on a defining drive at the I end. Mean, the, like, the Eagles absolutely, I thought the Eagles were going to win the game easily after the first half. They were absolutely carrying and dominating that play. And if it weren't for that fumble, grinding so many first six, downs, they, they would have been up by three scores at halftime and they probably should have been. And, and I don't think Kansas city comes out of that. So anyone like discrediting the Eagles as a team is, is being ridiculous, but yeah, I, Ryan, I'm curious on, on Jalen Hurts. What what are you thinking? I think Jalen Hurts wants to get paid like he's a top three quarterback. Sure, <laughs> you know <laughs> I I think after that performance, the I think the concerns that were in Philly because they were still bubbling at the beginning of the season. Oh yeah, you know um, this was his prove it year. This yeah. was a make or break year for him, and he did just about everything that he could, including putting up an octopus in the Super Bowl, which. <laughs> Quite literally, you know, put the team on my back kind of stuff. And yeah. third and one, fourth and one was a cheat code for the Eagles. I that mean, play is getting banned next year for safety they, reasons. They that that, that rugby scrum is going to get banned. They they need to. But man, like for as for as boring as that might seem on the surface, watching it happen each and every time to the point where Chris Jones is like, screw this. I'm going to go over the top and <laughs> I'm going to. I'm going to put everything into stopping Jalen Hurts top half. The thing is you can't stop his bottom half and he still ended up getting a first down in that play. Like I think, I think Jalen Hurts belongs in the discussion for top five. I think so as well. Let me ask you guys something looking at the Eagles. And again, I know it's, it's rough because they come up short, but it's clear the lions, if we're going to take us back to lions for just a second, they're not going to replicate Patrick Mahomes, but how the Eagles are built. I've always said like, that looks a lot more with like what the lions, like that was a lion's offensive play call being run by the Eagles for that first half where it's like grind yards, run game, grind yards, short passes, first downs, third and short every time. It doesn't matter. We're going to get you on a on a high completion play to 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 go, and we're going to make Patrick Mahomes sit there on the sidelines. They I, time of possession in the first half was obscenely tilted towards the Eagles. That that felt like not only have I seen the lion, not only is that what I think the Lions want to do, Jeremy, but we've seen them do it several times this past year. And I just was watching the Eagles. I'm like, I feel like I'm watching the lions on offense. Yeah. And you see, I mean, you see as much as I joke about running backs, not mattering and, 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 and focusing on the past game, that's the kind of success that we, we see a lot in the playoffs, you know, it doesn't always 
make championships. I mean, the 49ers are, are kind of built similarly too, where they want to run the ball a lot and throw a lot of, you know, high, high percentage throws and then eventually hit a deep shot or two. And yeah, that's, that's definitely what the, the lions are trying to do too. And in, in a way they're, they're philosophically built similarly too, with focusing on the offensive line and the defensive line. Um, the, the big difference is that they've been able to pour a bunch of resources into those um, via, you know, salary cap room because they're, they were only paying, paying Jalen hurts, you know, single digit million a year where Jared Goff is getting 30 plus, but, but yeah, I think philosophically the Eagles are what the lions kind of want to be um, the, the, and, and yeah, just the biggest difference being both how much you're paying the quarterback and the type of quarterback you have. Yeah. I, I think you look at the two teams though. And I guess the question then becomes when is the, rubber going to meet the road you know what i mean in terms of are things tenable with a contract like like jared goff is going to command just because you're not going to get pat mahomes right like the reason why the chiefs can do what they can do is because they have an alien for a quarterback and it doesn't matter if you have tyreek hill or if you have Kadarius tony they lost tyreek hill this year and everyone thought that he was going to take a major step back without him well travis kelsey certainly did no, Travis Kelsey was the it was part of that alien equation. But like, yeah, like you just mentioned Kadarius Tony. It was like a five minute stretch of that game where Tony looked like an MVP out there, catching a touchdown, special teams play. I mean, that play on the goal line was just silly. That was silly. That was beyond silly. By the way, speaking of Chiefs plays, like that was something they took for the Lions. The uh split back buck sweep. Yeah. That was fun and a critical. Pl- I mean, it's it's funny that now two critical plays in other games have borrowed um, Lions plays. And listen, this this happens all the time in the NFL. It's not yeah. like the Lions are are inventing any of these. They're plays. not. They're, they're, they're getting they're getting plagiarized, Jeremy. <clears throat> but I think it is very interesting that the Lions utilized. And and if you don't know what play we're talking about, it's the third and one that the Chiefs ran in the game winning drive. Um, you know, late in the in the fourth quarter, where uh, they run a sweep to uh, who was it? Pacheco, I think, um, around the left end. The Lions ran that exact play against the Eagles, and so that to me, that's too much of a coincidence to believe that the the Chiefs didn't see that and say like, hmm, it's a pretty good play. I think it might work for us. Uh, and so for them to do it on the game winning Super Bowl drive is pretty cool. Uh, we saw earlier in the year Notre Dame borrow the the Brock Wright play, which worked for them and scored a touchdown late in the game. So more more flowers for Ben Johnson uh, indirectly. Um, I think he should get at least half of a Super Bowl ring personally. But, you know, we'll we'll see if Andy Reid take so. this back even further. Remember all about like, oh, the Lions gave the Rams the blueprint to beat. I'm um, no, the Patriots, the blueprint to beat the Rams. <laughs> Well, we don't want to give Matt Patricia credit. No, I don't remember that part of Lions okay. history. Fair enough. <laughs> Do you want to um, inform me about it? <laughs> no, I would. Ra- I would rather talk about Rihanna. Obviously, I'd rather talk about Rihanna. What a performance! Here's the thing. I think people are so upset because they realized that she has way more hits than your favorite artist. She has more songs that have charted like at the top of the Billboard 100 than your favorite artist. And I think that she deserves all the credit in the world for that performance because she is like in rarefied air as far as pop stars go. Like she can go toe to toe with all of your, all of your hollowed 
legends of the past. Two things for me. Number one, I know another podcast host, uh, uh, Murder uh, Brian. Uh, I just know his like handle is like at Murder Brian. He used to do like Street Fight Radio. One of his favorite thing he does every year is find the people saying, "I wish Metallica play was playing the Super Bowl and would retweet all of them." It's just the saddest collection of dads you could imagine. Like it, that's never going to happen. So first off, number one, like if you don't like pop music, cool, whatever. That's never going to change. Like. If you're mad about limp syncing, I'm sorry. That's never going to change. Even the guitar, even your favorite live bands were lip syncing back in the day. Number two, to Ryan's point, I think it's easy to forget about someone because like she had all the lights and like, oh, right. Yeah, she did that song. And then like she hit run this town and I'm like, Jay-Z's in the crowd. Is he going to cut? No, he's not. Okay, this is Rihanna's song. I have two quick points on the Rihanna halftime show. Um, one is that for someone whose music tastes have been stuck in the in the 1990s for a very long time, I was indeed surprised at how many Rihanna songs I did know. And number two, any halftime show that gets the NFL, the league that finds Jamal Williams for thrusting his hips one <laughs> or two times, any performance that can get the NFL to tweet out, quote, bitch better have my money. Epic. Great song. Epic. Got so and many people. She mad. opened it was with great. that. Are you like, <laughs> yeah. that's a, that is a bold ass move? And I love it. Also, she yeah. didn't have a surprise guest. It was her uh, her kid. She's pregnant. She did that while pregnant. There are, to... there are so many halftime performances from recent memory that have relied on guests and surprises and things like that. There weren't there were no None. surprises. She did that straight. She did that straight. She's like, here are my collection of incredible songs that even if you haven't been close to a radio since the 90s, like Jeremy, you still know them because I, they because they are pop culture. I was, I was still a tiny bit nervous when all the lights came on a little. Yeah, bit. yeah, I was, yeah. I was, I was like, I was like, oh, God, is Kanye going to come out? Please, God. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, one other thing, and I don't know if it stems from the halftime, but. Speaking of tying it back, Jeremy tied the halftime back to the Lions with Jamal Williams. Let's tie one more thing back to the Lions. Lions complained, I believe, five years ago about the turf in Arizona. I think Mike Rothstein pointed it out. It was like 2018. They had lodged a formal complaint about it. And uh, I know this was like a brand new turf in Arizona, but. um, Good God, this was the year of people complaining about surfaces and it made its way to the Super Bowl. Yeah, they fucked up. I don't, I don't know what else to add. It's, I don't know. It's, it's super embarrassing. You, you know, the one thing that I did see was, um, and we've had him on the podcast before, uh, Brandon Thorne was talking about how in those situations where you have slippery surfaces, that's advantage offensive line. And that's probably why you got so many points. Like, it, it seems kind of contradictory that you would say, oh, the field is super slippery. It probably won't be low scoring because people are losing their... No, like that... How many sacks were in the game? I think that there was one, and it was because, was it Jalen Hurts ran out of bounds like before he got to yeah, the six? I think you're right. Yeah. I, I mean, it was total advantage offensive line, which <laughs> I don't think those offensive lines needed an advantage. Um, so that's why you got as many points as you did. I th- I think Eagles fans have a better argument to complain about the field conditions than the, the than the officiating in this game because there were I, several yes, times Holy you agree. saw pass rushers trying to you know come around the edge slipping and falling and, and I, I thought mean, 
This I was thought, an Eagles team that had what three, four guys who've had ten sacks. I think they averaged the like season? four point seven sacks a game or something yeah. like that. And listen, yeah. we nearly slip up on a punt or a kick or something too. Maybe Elliot okay. Elliot slipped on a uh, on a kickoff. I think it was oh, either okay. him or Bucker. Um, but yeah, I think it was, but no, 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 no. It, it, I think it was LA because I was looking at Bucker taking the game winning field goal. And I was so mad about like taking the knees where I'm like, I hope he slips here. I hope he slips and the kick goes like wide left. I wouldn't wish that upon a place kicker. I know <laughs> Jeremy doesn't think they're people, but <laughs> well, speaking of people, we're going to take a quick break here and we're got to get to the lions news that we've got our super bowl out. We'll probably do some more that'll find its way into a scraps episode here. Cause I'm sure we're going to keep talking about this game because it was fantastic. It was one of the better Super Bowls. Uh, rec- I, Super Bowls recently have been knocking it out of the park. When I was growing up, you know, late nineties, early two thousands, they were all these miserable blowouts. Did you, and did you really just pull a back in my day? I I'm saying that when I was, a, <laughs> I was trying to say it was a kid, but yes, thank you. It does make me feel old, doesn't it? But like, no, I I'm just saying the history of the Super Bowl has been uncompetitive games. And the last few years, these games have been highly competitive and they've been very fun. So anyway, I, think, I mean, I think it's been better part of like 10, 15 years where it's been good. I think like it's been you, that you really only have the what Denver Seattle one that was horrible. I can't uh, think Rams Rams Patriots was, was pretty bad, but at least it was close in right. score. Yeah, but that did not feel close at all. Like like in practice, that was not close. That's fair. Anyway, the pride of Detroit. POD cast is brought to you by righteous felon craft jerky. They did not have a Super Bowl ad, but guess what? They've got the next best thing an ad here on the pride of Detroit POD cast. You want to know why? Why is that Jeremy? Do we have the same one? Are we we matching righteous fellas? We 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 got matching righteous fellas. We got the baby blues barbecue right here. Sweet barbecue blend of habaneros and serranos. Yeah. Guess what? It's more than that. Look, look at the color on this bag. And that's why it's, I think we're holding it together. It's Honolulu blue, Jeremy. That's right. And that's right, because this is the jerky that fuels the Detroit Lions. Righteous felon jerky and meat sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park. They have two ounce bags of jerky that was 16 to 20 grams of protein. Meat sticks, eight grams of protein. That's a lot of protein, Ryan. That's a lot of protein. I would venture to guess, and I'm not a medical doctor. That's like a good chunk of the protein you need in a, any given day. In a snack. In a snack. A snack. So if it's good enough for the Lions, it's going to be good enough for you. Uh, Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania. They lose locally sourced all natural black Angus beef and prize themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding, unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offering. So guess what? We've got a promo code for you, too. Let's just make this 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 pack even sweeter than the Baby Blues barbecue. Go to RighteousFelon.com. Use the discount code POD15 at checkout. 15% off your order. That's right, folks. And by the way, Habanero, the Habanero Escobar, very good. Very good. So, righteousfelon.com, POD15. We'll be right back. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is 
you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Pride to Detroit POD cast. Let's get back to some Lions news now that we've had our fill of talking about Super Bowl. Uh, biggest news probably for the week for the Lions is that Aaron Glenn, defensive coordinator, is probably almost certainly going to be the defensive coordinator in 2023. Uh, word is out that the Colts appear ready to hire Shane Steichen, the Eagles offensive coordinator, uh, coming off of a Super Bowl loss there. but And that Glenn uh, was not... I believe one of the finalists for the Cardinals job, Jeremy, I believe he turned down uh, the Cardinals job. Is that he correct? Was, he was turned down from. Uh, the he Cardinals was turned job. down. Excuse me. I, I yeah. read this completely wrong. <clears throat> Adequate. Yeah. So he was, he was one of the um, people in the last round of, of kind of cuts um, mm. to be let that he's no longer in the conversation. Sounds like they might take the Eagles defensive coordinator again. And so um, sucks for the Eagles. Uh, good news for the Lions, I imagine. Uh, are you guys happy? I, I mean, we know we know Ryan Matthews is, is driving the bus of the Aaron Glenn hype train. So um, I imagine you're you're feeling pretty good about this. Yes, I'm driving the bus on the train. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Mixed metaphors. I, I I well, you know, I think that's actually probably a good way of describing it because it feels like a out of sorts way to root for somebody you know what i mean just because yeah. there there was so much last year in the first half of the season that pointed to him potentially being a problem and then the aubrey pleasant thing happens and then the defense gets cleaned up yeah and you know there's still a ways to go right like being 32nd there's a ways to go but i want to see aaron glenn with more talent around him as a defensive coordinator because I think that he can, I think that he can check off that box as being a defensive guy, true and through. I also think that it's good to have this kind of consistency year to year, at least in your coordinator. Because we talk about giving coaches time to implement all their stuff, but coordinators kind of need some time too. And I've kind of, I, I, I see the flashes from Aaron Glenn's defense, and you, like as Ryan said, there's definitely a a talent, a talent issue. And he's been very good about coaching up some talent. Like some of the guys we've talked about in the defense that have been coached up between James Houston, and Jerry Jacobs, like performances from guys who were very fringe, like that is credit to, to Aaron Glenn. So I, I understand there were some moments that were pretty bad this year, but if nothing else, there is something to be said about a coherency and a, and a, a, consistency of leadership going to a year three that and, could see growth. 
and it's that sort of stuff is so important with a young roster too, right? These young players who are just learning the NFL, if you keep throwing at them different defensive coordinators every single year, it's going to be hard for those guys to develop. They're learning a new verbiage every year. They're they're learning new strategies every year. They're they're given different roles every year. Some guys you just drafted might no longer be fits versus right. like Aaron Glenn's been there since they started drafting under under uh, under uh, under Brad Holmes. Like these are the yeah. guys that Brad Holmes is and Aaron Glenn see eye to eye on as far as like this is what's going to work for us. And and we've talked about how in year one there just wasn't a lot of talent. In year two there was a little bit more talent, but it was it was still a very new lineup from, from year one, but year two to year three, there's going to be a lot more stability in the roster, right? The, 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 the big players on defense from last year, James Houston, Aiden Hutchinson, Malcolm Rodriguez, Kirby, Joseph, all those guys are coming back. Ali McNeil, all these guys are going to be playing, coming back and, and being in big roles. And hopefully you add one or two or three more starter level guys to that equation and and yeah, you pick up from where you left off in the second half of the season. So I think this is this is huge news. I'm not saying that because I think Aaron Glenn is the best defensive coordinator in, in Lions history. Like I know he wants to be. He still has a lot to prove too, and especially in terms of his defensive play calling. Um, but stability and I, I think Chris hit the nail on the head. Like just stability in general is so drastically important for this defensive roster that we need to at least give Aaron Glenn a fighting chance. To, to prove that he can be a defensive coordinator. And I think 2023 will kind of be a make or break year for him. Yes, I agree. Uh, I mean, if it's still off to a bad start in the middle of the season, then yeah, we could absolutely seeing some changes around like the bye week or so, but I don't think this is something where you just, I, I mean, it would have hurt to see him leave. Cause again, like, as you said, it's different verbiage. You have to change. It's like changing an offensive coordinator. Suddenly every, like it can be just as drastic changing a defensive coordinator as it could for an offensive coordinator, the entire scheme changes. So uh, also in coaching news, uh, Lions assistant wide receiver coach, Seth Ryan. We have an interview request with him from the New York jets. So Jeremy, you want to fill us in on this? Yeah. I mean, there's really nothing else to, to throw in. It's just been an interview request. We don't know if the Lions are, are blocking that or if they, they can. I believe he's interviewing for their wide receivers coach job. So not the you're just basically, basically knocking off the assistant label, which I guess as a promotion to so the Lions probably can't block it. I'm, I'd have to double check the rules there. Um, but I don't know. Uh, not not that big of a deal. If I'm being completely honest, you're talking about an assistant wide receivers coach. Um, there, there doesn't seem to be any concern about Antoine Randall L. I think the Lions could just say, sure, go ahead, you know, go to the Jets and enjoy your time. And I, I don't think there would even be a, a need to necessarily fill that role. You don't need an assistant coach for every single position. They don't have one for every single position. Um, Seth Ryan was a guy who came over with uh, um, Anthony Lynn. Uh, they both worked with the the Chargers. So um, in a way, his connection to the Lions is already gone. So, I mean, I, you you Again, you you want stability, and it'd be nice to have someone in there in case something happens. And maybe Antoine Randall gets hot and becomes an offensive coordinator somewhere. It'd be nice to have that kind of built-in um, succession plan. But you know, no reason to panic, even if this goes beyond the interview request phase. Yeah the other uh, the only other big piece of roster news is that uh, the Lions do have someone kind of more of a front office. Uh, well, I guess it's it's a staff role. Uh, Brett Fisher is the new director of player health and performance. I feel like we're really getting deep in the weeds here, but I do know that, uh, I don't know, I've always felt in the past there's always like a weird rash of injuries for the Lions, and maybe that's just me. But uh, 
apparently comes with a fantastic reputation and uh, was charged with keeping players healthy. Because as Ryan always says, the best ability. Availability. And you want to talk about, here's the thing. I think this is a bigger, I think this is a bigger news story than a lot of people will probably read it as when you look at the headline, it's like, oh, it's just the director of player health and performance. But a couple of things, I think contextually speaking, the Lions had a hiccup in the Dan Campbell era with, you know, the training staff and the head trainer, you know, being dismissed. And, you know, I, I think that this is a bigger deal than people are giving it credit for, for the other reason too, Jeremy, the, the uh, Cardinals writer um, that put out some tweets that were like, I mean, overwhelmingly positive, like glowing reviews of this guy. Yeah. Mike, Mike Jarecki is the, is the guy you're talking about. And yeah, he, he threw out a couple interesting factoids about him. Um, that maybe the most interesting and and relevant to the immediate immediacy is that um, the, the uh, what's it, Fisher, um, he has an off season training facility that is populated by a lot of people. And he's been running that for a very long time. And so Jarecki suggests that, well, since he has those connections, there's a chance that he can use those connections to lure free agents to Detroit, mm. which seems like, Maybe a, a jump in logic and maybe a little bit of a, a fantasy, but at the same time, like the greatest ability. And it's not just the greatest ability, but like you, when you talk to a line, uh, any NFL player about their trainer, they love those guys. They trust those guys. And so if you're doing offseason workouts with this guys and suddenly he becomes, you know, the head of a department of an NFL team. I can, I can train with this guy 24 seven. <laughs> like that, that becomes a, I, I would Im- imagine a, a legitimate pull. And, you know, I, I can't say a lot about the results this guy has. I mean, the fact that he has his own off season training facility is probably the, the biggest um, endorsement you can have, but he's been like the physical trainer. That's kind of been his role with the Cardinals for the past 15 years. So this is a pretty significant um, elevation for him. I, I don't, and you know, with with all the kind of random titles that the Lions have in their health and wellness departments, it's not entirely clear what the power structure is going to be. But director of player health and performance sounds like a pretty darn big role. It's a, it's a director. It's direct. Yeah. It says director right yeah. there. It should be important if you're directing something. Yeah. Uh, NFL honors was this week. And obviously, Lions didn't win too much of it there. But let's talk about where some of the voting came in. Ben Johnson was second in assistant coach of the year behind D'Amico Ryan's. I know a lot of us thought, like, again, huge, huge job for him. D'Amico Ryans, though, like, he did turn himself into a head coach this year. He did. Ben Johnson could have turned himself into a head coach this he, year, probably. That's he'd true. Prob- like, right, he probably would have the Panthers job if he if he wanted it. It almost feels like. But I, I want to I hear Ryan talk about this because I know, you know, you sent off a, a, some series of tweets and we went kind of back and forth. In, in, in jest, you, you think Ben Johnson should have won it, right? Yeah, I, I thought Ben Johnson should have won it. I think some people misinterpreted what I was saying on Twitter when I said that, you know, D'Amico Ryan's had Nick Bosa. Like, tell me tell me another player that the Lions have on their offense that is a, like, talent level equivalent of that player. And I think some people read that as, oh, like you're saying, D'Amico Ryan's, like, can coach up, like, great ta-. No, I'm saying that, like, he has a piece that, you know, all these other Breaks teams the game. do not have, right? <laughs> right. Like he, he has a piece that 31 other teams don't have. And, you know, sure. Like Panay Sewell, generational talent at, at tackle. Like 
St. Brown. He has some pieces. He has some pieces, but like this guy has people convinced that Jared Goff is a franchise quarterback. I don't think that there's anything more convincing that an assistant coach could do than to do that. It's funny because like when praising Ben Johnson, you have to walk this line to make sure you don't insult Jared Goff in the process. Um, <laughs> you you, you kind of just did that, but yeah, right. Yeah. I know that was intentional. You're yeah. saying for Jared Goff is in a franchise quarterback. We have a reputation to uphold, but yeah, yeah and it, it's weird because I mean, we'll get to it, but Jared Goff was sixth in, in comeback player of the year voting. But yeah, like, what do you attribute Goff's resurgence to? Do you give a bunch of credit to Ben Johnson for for bringing him out of like quarterback hell? How or can you not, Jeremy? I mean, you have to give some credit to, credit to the actual player, though, right? For sure. Yeah, I I, I think the the biggest thing, and maybe maybe Mark Brunel even des- deserves to be in part of this conversation, is that when we hit that Patriots game, and maybe maybe even creeping into like the Cowboys game. There, there was this feeling amongst everyone that J- Jared Goff was done. Like there, there were a lot of things that he was doing. He's dropping back too far. He's turning the ball over. He's doing a lot of things wrong. And he cleaned up all of those for the back half of the season. And so, I mean, that's that's a combination of all those influences, right? It's it's, it's Jared Goff taking coaching well. It's Ben Johnson coaching well. It's, it's Mark Brudel coaching well. And so it's hard to kind of dissect who's responsible for what. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I think I think from an outsider's perspective, especially people thought Jared Goff was done in this league and, yeah. and Ben Johnson, especially after the Rams here, just good yeah. Lord. And, and, and the Lions coaching staff and Jared Goff all pulled him into a borderline top five quarterback down the stretch. And so yeah. I like what, what, what's the equivalent of what D'Amico Ryans did? What, what player out of obscurity did he elevate? Cricket. That's what? I mean, that's the only name. Yeah. Is to fight on. Fight on. Um, anyway, uh, also in the voting, Dan Campbell's seventh in coach of the year. I think that one's tough. That that one's tough just because the emotional status of Dan Campbell, but I mean seventh all the way down is hard, but we talked about it a little bit. I still think he should have been on the same level as as Doug Peterson. I really do. Yes. But they did the same. Yeah. It's also very hard for me to complain when Andy Reid was eighth, which is insane. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. guy who like, won the Super Bowl. Yeah. It's, it's 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 really a it's the the coach of the year award is so hard to figure out, but because either you have an insanely good team you're working with, like Shanahan, but like I I don't know, this is some New York bias going on with Brian Dable. Maybe I I don't know. It's it's hard to look at the voting and Sirianni I, O'Connell was the one that uh, okay whatever. Anyway, yeah. Uh, also also that Adrian, uh, I mean excuse me, uh, Aiden Hutchinson. Second in rookie of the year, we a defensive rookie of the year. We kind of expected Sauce to win it. Uh, Aiden does get, does get the fan one, the Pepsi, the Pepsi rookie of uh, Pepsi yeah. Zero, Pepsi Sugar Free Zero, oh, Pepsi God. Zero Sugar Free. Roy, well, yeah, we're not on, we're not on an interview. Year. Yeah, and rookie that's not year. just that's not just defense. Yeah, it's it's rookie yeah. of the year. Um, but still, like, I mean, we all kind of accepted Sauce was going to win this because of New York, but. Well, <laughs> that's not the only reason. It's I guess, because of New York. Um, but my only thing with the the sauce Aiden thing, and I think some fans were understandably upset. It was a blowout. Like I think Sauce had forty nine mm-hmm. out of fifty first place votes, or forty eight um, first place votes. And I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about that because if I had to vote, I probably would have picked Sauce. 
because he was an all pro because he was the best player at his position amongst rookies and veterans. Um, I know Aiden probably, you, you can make the argument that Aiden had more impactful plays than sauce did. And I, I wouldn't argue against that. Um, so if my personal vote would have been for sauce, it's hard for me to say there should have been more first place votes for, for Aiden, because I think the correct vote was for sauce. I already well, wrote an article about you it. You sure uh, did. I don't did. Yeah. I mean, we just have to we should just link that article. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I will defer to that article as well. Also New York. Anyway, uh, we're going to make this one a quick one. That's all the news to get to. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we did our offensive primer to the offseason for the Lions. Now it's time for the defense. We'll do that next on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Right to Detroit POD cast. Let's get on to uh, the off-season primer we've been doing over these last this well, just the last week really. We did offense, and if you want to go uh, and take a listen to that, that is on the feed. I will. Uh, it's on the feed. I don't need to include a link to anything. It's on the feed. Subscribe to the feed. Spotify, iTunes, all those feeds. Go and it's right there for you. Now we're going to do defense. And I'm kind of holding my breath here because we went really long last time. So we'll see how long we go on this. So we, again, we go position by position on this. We talk, well, we talk about the course, where they're at, and what we can do as far, what the Lions can do as far as free agency, including retaining or dismissing players they currently have, who they can get through free agency. Uh, or where they should target someone in, say, if it's a position they should prioritize more towards the draft. So let's start at the top. Let's start with the defensive tackles. And there's a few questions here, and I think it starts with uh, Bugs and Brockers. So I guess, you know, let's start with a more veteran one, Jeremy. Brockers, do you think he's likely gone from the team? I I think it's almost certain. Um, sad, Sad to say, I mean... He cost 14 million against cap if mm-hmm. they keep him. And he did not play almost at all in the back half of the season. Uh, you don't play pay 14 million for a guy who brings together an, an all players meeting once a year. Um, and I, I'm, I'm trying not to be insulting to Brockers because he's had a long, illustrious career, but it's clear the Lions want to be younger. It's clear the Lions want more players that, that that can get them, you know, production on the field. And so Michael Brockers just is not that guy anymore. Um, I, I don't think there's ever been a more clear decision uh, to make on a, on a kind of cap casualty type of guy. They're going to take a 4 million cap hit, which is unfortunate, but it's not huge considering 
14 million is, is a worse hit. So you save 10 million off the cap uh, where you're projected to have right now. Um, and, but, but that, that means you're going to have to fill some, some other, you know, spots because if you cut him, these are the guys that are signed on for 2023 right now. Ali McNeil, Levi Onzerike, and Demetrius Taylor. You need some help there. You need you need a whole lot of help there. You do. You you need talent that not only is depth, but you need a starter. I, I think you need a starter next to Aline. So is is Bugs that guy? Let, let's start with Bugs. Let, I mean, he's a guy who essentially became that starter and consistently got praise from this coaching staff. Do you bring him back as a starter? Do you bring him back at his depth piece? Or do you say, thanks for the year. We're looking to upgrade here. I don't know. I mean, Chris, do you think that you look at bugs as an opportunity to say, Hey, we got the most out of a player this season and maybe he can count towards, you know, whatever compensatory pick formula. If, if we, if we let him go now and he, and he signs away or do you look at that as, Hey, this is a guy that we got the best production out of. Let's keep him around. It's hard too, because what's the MO has been, has been to reward players who step up. Yeah. And bugs. I feel like kind of like we saw with guys last year with, although that brings some risks, right? Like AJ Parker performed well last year. I don't think anyone's going to Charles think Harris, much of him. Right? Harris is another great example. Sure. So I, I think the Lions are in the business of rewarding said performances, but at the same time, like uh, the, the tackles, it, it feels like the replacement level there is easier to hit than corners. Yeah, I mean, look look at when they got bugs, right? You know, they signed him in August, right? Yeah. So it was it wasn't anything where he was a big time free agent acquisition and. I'll be honest. Obviously, a lot of these questions are going to be like, should they bring this player back? And the answer is always going to be, well, it depends on the price. Right. But I think that's true for bugs in the aspect that I think he's probably best served as a rotational player. Yeah. I don't know if I necessarily view him as he's a guy that I want playing each and every down. And there isn't a player behind him that's better than him. But but that's no knock on bugs. But right. But in a way, that makes him the kind of perfect, easy resigning. You know, he made less than a million last year. He's going to obviously get a bump there. Not probably not a ton. Like, I, I don't think he's getting more than two million a year or anything like that. But he gives you options, right? He makes it so that we know he can start and play at a decent level, you know, average level, maybe. But and he can you, flash a little, too. And he can flash a little bit, too. And and but at the same time, it doesn't prevent you from going out and drafting a guy. It doesn't prevent you from going out and upgrading the position because you'd love to have that kind of guy coming off the bench. Um, whereas this year, the guy coming off the bench was uh, what's his name? Uh, Benito Jones. And Benito Jones is probably going to come back, too, because he's one of those exclusive rights free agents, which basically are free resignings. You know, they, they come back on minimum salary deals. You bring them back. If he's just a camp body, then he's just a camp body. You need camp bodies. You need to fill out the roster to 90. So he's probably back. But then the question is, okay, so let's say you do bring back bugs. You do bring back Benito Jones. Brockers is gone. How do we upgrade the position? What What are you guys looking at? Is this a draft position? Is this go out and, and, and sell out like everybody seems to want for Deron Payne? Is there someone else in that free agency list uh, that that you guys are interested in? I feel like free agency is going to be a lot of it's going to be free agency. I feel like it's just going to be tinkering around the edges. I don't like I feel like the talent that they do have 
for defensive tackle they've been drafting is talent they still trust to develop. And I feel like what's going to happen is it's just like guys like bugs. They're just going to find probably replacement pieces out there or something like that, but they're not going to be big name signings, but this is an offense that seems to like itself a lot more on the edges when it, so yeah, I I I mean, geez. Well, I I will say about the Duran Payne stuff is he's going to be very expensive. He was ninth among interior defensive linemen in, in pressures last season and that was kind of like a down year for him um he's 26 right and and and, but i I think the i think the thing is maybe buyer beware you dig into some of those statistics like he had like the fourth highest missed missed tackle percentage rate in the nfl among interior defensive linemen and it's a reflection in why his run defense grade was was as bad as it was I'm, i'm sure of it so are the lions really in the business of paying a guy just to be a pretty much pure pass rusher at that position? Probably not. I, I don't no. think so. I think, I think you pay for those pure pass rushers on the edges. I don't yeah. think you, you do that up, up the interior, but at the, at the same time, it's such, it feels like such a big need, right? We ha- they've invested so heavily in those edges already that if they could just figure out one guy who can be disruptive of the, over the middle, it, it, it could change everything. Right. Um, and and we've seen that across the league, you know, some, it, there's not a lot, right? It's a pretty scarce resource to have a defensive tackle that can just completely disrupt a game. But when they do, it's huge. And so I think that's why a lot of people have fallen in love with Deron Payne. A lot of people have fallen in love going in the draft with, with Jalen Carter. Um, and, and, it, and it is a big position of need, but I feel like it's just, I think there's a, it, it's a scarce resource in getting one of those, huge upgrades from a guy like Isaiah bugs. And so it's, it's going to cost them a lot, whether it's in draft resources or in, uh, in, in free agency money, but. Well, let's, let's talk, let's talk about the edges then. So I, cause I feel like that's where a lot of, cause Brockers might be the cap casualty for the tackles, but on the edges, there's a lot of savings that probably need to be done. That starts with Romeo Aquara. So right now he would cost you about 14.5 million save about 7 million with a cut kind of the same deal with Charles Harris. You know, you'd save about 4 million of 8 million to cut. Aquara, I think is the more, that that's the more fascinating question to answer, right? Like, is it, is it just the injury history in there and everything else? Like it's that, that one's hard for me to figure out. I think two things make it probably the most, I'm going to say it's it's the most important decision that Brad Holmes has to make that isn't draft related. This offseason is what he wants to do with Romeo Aquara, because I think personally, if you're looking at the two guys, Charles Harris had one year. Romeo yeah. Aquara only kind of had one year where he, you know, earned the contract that he signed. Right. Okay. I'm of the mind that I think that Brad Holmes should bet on the extra, what six and a half million it's going to cost to keep Romeo rather than going with Charles Harris to save a little bit more money in the here. And now I think that we probably have, and this might be a discredit to Charles Harris, but I think there's more promise with Romeo Okwara than Charles Harris. So I think that's ultimately you pay that 6.5 million premium to see, Hey, with with a full off season of getting back to full health, 
can Romeo Quara be the dude that we paid him to be? Yeah, I, I think I think you kind of hit the crux of the debate here because I, I don't think there'd be a lot of debate that Romeo Quara is a better player than Charles Harris. I think that's true, but he's going to cost more, and he's he's still coming back from a more devastating injury, right? The Achilles. True. It, it, there's there's no guarantee that he gets back to where he was, even though now it's been well over a year since he suffered the injury. Sometimes it takes more than that. Sometimes it takes two or three years, and then by that time, Romeo's hitting close to thirty. And, and you never, I mean, he's probably already pretty close to 30 uh, at this point, but I, it, both of these are really tough decisions to me. And I I don't have a strong feeling one way because that is a lot of savings. You cut both those guys, you, you create 11 million in cap space. Lions can do a lot with that. Well, let me, let me ask you then. Cause like, is it, is it, we talked about Jalen Carter there in the draft. It's not insane if the lion, would you guys be okay if they draft another edge high? I'm not saying it like, uh, you know, in, in the top 10, but if we're like that second, if, what is it? 16, 18, second, yeah. 18, 18 yeah. excuse me. Like if they take an edge there, I'm not against it. I, I mean, I, I'm, tr- I truly have the belief that there's, there's no such thing as too many pass rushers. And listen, I think, I think, I think John Kaminsky is coming back. I think Aiden, Hutch- Aiden Hutchinson is, is, is ready to take a next step. James Houston is is going to be good. Who knows what the future of Josh Pascal is? Let's hope he doesn't fall into the second round um, curse. But you got four. I mean, that's already four. Yeah, I think there's some questions around Houston if he can play like every snap. Sure, but... right. Um, but but I mean, but at the same time, like with those four, I mean, oh god, they're they're so young too, right? Three of those guys you drafted last year. Um, but and Pascal I, missed a lot of time too. Sure, right, and so he could certainly be better than than what he showed, and I think the expectation is he'll be a lot better than he showed. Um, but a lot of those guys can also swing in on the inside on on you know passing down. So then you have your opportunity to throw more guys out there. And so, do I want I want the team to maybe be five deep? And so, I, I guess it, it'd be tougher to sell me on bringing in another edge if you keep Romeo or Charles, because then you already have five deep. Um, assuming Kaminsky comes back, but if you cut both, which I'm not saying they will do, I think, I think it's probably more likely they, they keep one of them around. I don't think they keep both of them around. Um, but if there's five deep, it's going to be a little bit of harder sell on me. The last thing I'll say is that I think if you, if you cut both of them, then it almost makes edge sort of a need to me. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. And it would be a very young group of edge at that point too super young which super young i'm into that um wow okay jeremy uh linebackers did you just try Sorry. to kid rock jeremy <laughs> i think he did no I'm, <laughs> he said it not me we're taking a lot of things out of context here wow. what do you want okay. to know about the linebackers chris oh, how about, no. how, about we re, how about we reset real quick so we're doing the defense primer uh, so linebackers, right? Um, who would you resign if I'm giving you Wood, Board, and Anzalone, Ryan? I Any of those that... you want to resign? Two, one, all. Well, you can't find anybody on this roster that I think people did a bigger 180 on than Alex Anzalone. Um, this season, I, th- I think a lot of people saw him as like one of the biggest head scratching. Why are you bringing this guy back? players uh we've talked about that a little bit but i think he's essential in bringing back but 
it seems like a bug situation. Like bringing Anzalone back doesn't solidify the position in terms of, hey, we can't upgrade it. I think that the Lions cycle through enough linebackers that they could find time for Anzalone, especially on the deal that he'll cost because he won't command a ton of money. I mean, he had he had a good season like he but I mean, it was an improvement off of, you know, kind of bad season in terms of statistics and things like that for as much as the Lions coaching staff loved him. But I I think you bring back Anzalone. I was kind of disappointed in board. I guess I was expecting more because I thought that he was going to like take this opportunity to not be a special teamer anymore. Yeah. Um, special teamers are great. Like they're awesome. They're critical players look no further than CJ Moore. but are you going to pay a premium at that? Or are you going to put somebody on your roster that can hopefully develop into somebody that you'll, you'll keep past Alex Anzalone. I think that's that's a great observation because even even as a special teamer, I would argue that Josh Woods was better as a special teamer this year. I think Josh Woods is maybe one of the better special teams players in in the league this past year, and he's also a free agent. So I think Josh Woods is a pretty clear re-signing, especially as a leader, you know, a captain on that special teams unit. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the problem is this this unit is filled with a lot of special teamer teamers. Anthony Pittman, another special teamer who's in exclusive rights free agency free agent. So he probably comes back on a cheap deal. I think you prioritize Josh Woods over Chris board, even though Chris board might have quote unquote, the potential to be more of a player on defense. But like you said, was there anything he did this year? year. Yeah. I I, I don't know. Um, As far as Anzalone, it's another tricky one for me. I wrote a whole article on it and I, I couldn't convince myself one way or the other, but I think, I think Ryan also hit on it there too, is like, there's probably not a harm in re-signing him and then just figuring out if you can upgrade the position again. I don't know if Anzal. My question is whether Anzalone is going to want to do that. Now he's professed his his love for this coaching staff. He he's he said he loves Detroit and what they're building here, but he's also said that he's prioritized being able to support his family. He said that in two different interviews this offseason. So more or less saying I'm looking for the bag this offseason. And the question is whether I guess the the question then is whether there is going to be another team that values. Alex Anzalone what, what as much as the Lions bag, do, right? Like yeah. what is the bag becomes the question. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and is any other team going to want to, to throw it at him? And I, I don't know if the answer is yes. Um, so I think, I think the lines can probably bring him back on, on an affordable deal. And I think that's probably what's going to end up happening, but don't be surprised if Alex Anzalone tests the free mark free agency market first. Okay. Um, we'll move on to the secondary. Oh boy. Uh, oh boy. Sure. <laughs> um, so, uh, <laughs> ah, where do you start? What do we have? Are we starting corner or safety? I, I, safety, <laughs> safety, safety seems a little bit clearer, even, even yeah. without. Like Deshaun Elliott's obviously the question. So let's just start at safety because I feel like okay. this is a easier yeah, I yeah, feel like this simpler. is an easier situation to tease out because could the Lions benefit could the Lions benefit from bringing Deshaun Elliott back? I think I mean, yeah, Tracy Walker's injury was a freak injury, but at the same time, I, I think it's worth having depth at that position if you are a team that runs a defense like the Detroit Lions, because I mean, you could be playing all three of those guys theoretically at the same time with Kirby and with Tracy and with Deshaun Elliott. Like, yeah, all those guys can see the field at the same time. And 
they are a team that needs to be at least three deep for players who can play defense. And I think what's important in roster construction is you look at that spot, Jeremy, and usually the depth guy on the safety team is a special teamer. Right. Can you afford like can you afford too much special teams depth at that spot when the Lions use three guys so often? So again, I don't think Deshaun Elliott may have priced himself out just because of some injuries and a really weird pseudo benching that happened in new England. Like we've come a long way from, from, you know, Deshaun Elliott and the waves that we kind of rode, but we kind of expected that, you know, when Lyon signed him. Right. And he was fully bought in by, by week 18, right? Like Mm -hmm. he was leading the F the F the Packers. Right. Yeah. Kind of charge in, in week 18. So I think there would definitely be interest in him bringing back. And I think you, again, you bring up a good point. Like, there is no back. I don't think this team is going to rely on Ifatu Melifanu to be their primary backup as a guy who can come in wow. on some on some packages. I, I think it's very possible that if he plays his way off the roster completely this year, um, if the Lions make even if the Lions don't make a move, I think I think Deshaun Elliott is is a good resigning candidate. I think I think you almost have to bring back CJ Moore for how important he is on special teams, and then find someone else. Um, to, to, but to is Tracy going to be ready though at the beginning of the season? I think that's an important question to ask. It is. Too. If you, if you ask Tracy, he says he's going to be back by OTAs. So in two months, which Okudo, I don't know. Like Jeff Okuda was doing a lot of that stuff too, though. Too he, he right? certainly was. Um, I, I think there's a good chance he's back at the start of training camp, but you never know what he's going to look like too. Speaking of Jeff Okuda and cornerbacks. All of avoiding this question, right? Yeah, this is this is. I I mean, I can. Uh, the only thing I can say for certain, the only thing I know for real, there will be blood. Uh, I think the Lions are probably in day one or two drafting cornerback. Hopefully, that, day one. That's a Ryan Matthews level of bold prediction, right there. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> but I mean, Amani Orwari is probably out, right? Yeah, I can't. I mean, there there hasn't been a bigger fall from grace than than Amani. And I know oh the coaching boy. staff respects him. And, and you know, he, he dealt with the benching, the sudden benching in in a very professional way. But I don't know how you can justify bringing him back. Right. Well, what about then speaking of someone else who had a fall, had a pretty rough ride, Will Harris? Kind of looked like he was stable for a bit when he was. We were changing his position around, and now it's just. Uh... You, it, there's a much better case for Will Harris than Namani, right? Is, right. Yes. No. More, absolutely. Yes. He's versatile. Right. He can play safety. He, he he played okay at nickel down the stretch. It wasn't horrible. He brought a little bit of stability to that position, um, and and he can mess around with special teams a little bit. Um, a nickel is another position that needs a massive upgrade two though so maybe he falls into that same category of placeholder that if you can't get to that need this offseason he'll fill in a pinch but if you re-sign him don't you know don't clap your hands to get together and say oh, okay we fi- we got our nickel position settled will yeah. harris just has to be a guy that the lions can count on in a pinch right i think that's the best way to describe him is like you won't feel the bottom fall out of yourself when you hear that Will Harris has replaced, you know, a, a cornerback on the field quite like you did when, you know, Amani had to step in 
in spot right. duty at the end of the season. You're like, mm-hmm. well, there goes that side of the field. What do you do about uh, Mike Hughes coming up here? Unrestricted. Uh, I mean, mil- was a 2.2 million cap hit last this past season. I, th- I think the Lions got to move on, man. I, I know he ended up. He he also he's another guy that brings versatility. He can play nickel. He can play outside. He he essentially jumped Jeff Okuda on on the depth chart, which the is a year. problem because like we're talking about like if he's walking right. like what what starters are we even talking about here? Because you just said Jeff Okuda got jumped on the Jeff depth chart too, right? And that's that's why one of the questions I I, I pegged for this segment is: Do the Lions have a starting cornerback on the roster right now that is signed for the twenty twenty three season? Is Jeff Okuda, Jerry Jacobs, Chase Lucas? Jaron Williams, Khalil Dorsey, AJ Parker, are any of those? I'm AJ Parker's on the Niners now. Um, are any of those guys <laughs> like capable of starting right now? And I, well, I, I don't. Let, the, let the me, fact that there isn't a clear answer there is a problem. Well, and let me ask you this because we have understood the Lions' philosophy is you don't want to go into a draft so desperate at yep. a position. So it feels like cornerback could be a big target in free agency, just yep. at the very least to staunch the bleeding. So I guess my 100%. question is a is Mike Hughes. Is that someone you just bring back because you can't really risk going in it's to the possible, draft yeah. with nobody, or is yep. there anyone out there in a, in a free agency class that uh, quite honestly, like I don't feel great about a lot of these corners that are up for, that are up on the market right now. Well, I mean, James Bradbury is a, is a name that, commonly pops up there and and he's he's going to cost a pretty pennies and he's mm-hmm. kind of inching towards that 30 uh 30 year old mark it's why people have started to speculate that that maybe maybe Jalen Ramsey is a smart guy to go after to try to trade for him another guy that's going to cost a lot in draft resources and free agency uh or I mean cap space um but yeah I know I'm with you like they need to figure something out here and I don't have a good solution in free agency at least I think the one other name that I see getting tossed around is Jamel Dean, uh, mm-hmm. the cornerback from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He seems to be like a a value contract guy that the Lions could get for like not top end money, but he's definitely getting a a pay bump. But would you would you tr- trust something like I? Would you trust something like I, I'm trying to think of like a good example that could be like a DJ Shark? Get a guy who's been like in had some injuries and just here to prove it. Like I think I think Greedy Williams, like mm-hmm. he flashed well first couple of years and he's been dealing with the hamstring issues. Like, do you get just is that where the Lions go to rebuild this position? Is get some guys on prove it deals and then yeah, uh, cross your fingers and hope you you hit strong in the draft. I think I think that's a a smart strategy. I don't I don't have a specific name in mind, but yeah, that has kind of been the Lions MO when they need to like rehaul an entire room is like let's sign a, a bunch of guys to one year deals that that have had success in the past but have hit hard times for one reason or another. See if they can do that and in the meantime we'll hit hard in the draft too. I think I think cornerback though is the one spot on this roster where there is no amount of convincing. There is no amount of coach speak. There is no amount of quote unquote. It's going to be like a bloodbath competition that the that the coaches can say, oh, we're we're cool with the cornerback group without doing like massive things to it. You know what I mean? Like there's yeah. no pulling what they did with the linebacker group last year with the cornerbacks going into next year. There's no way like the, the, there needs to be so much invested in 
and cornerback because like Jeremy said, our, name the two outside corners for the Detroit Lions. I mean, it's probably Jerry Jacobs and, and Jeff Okuda right now, right? And I know I know there's still some hope for Jeff Okuda. I'm not trying to bury him. There's still hope for Jerry Jacobs too. Sure. Um, but you can't you can't rely on that at this point. You can't assume that Jeff Okuda is suddenly gonna turn around his career in, in year four. Um and, and they got they got a tough decision with him too, right? With the with the fifth year option that they need to make by by May first. I think I think we can all say as things stand right now would be very surprising if they pick up that fifth year option, but we'll see. Um before we get out of here, do we want to talk about the breaking news? We just had some breaking news. Yes, we got it. Let's do a couple minutes on this. So um, it's just an interview. So I'm not sure how panicked. I, I know Jeremy's kind of giving me that face. He's like, oh, God. Oh, man. Well, okay. But, but, but Scotty Williams, Scotty, excuse me, Scotty Montgomery, Tampa Bay Buccaneers have announced that they just interviewed Lions assistant head coach slash running backs coach Scotty Montgomery, who, by the way, in case that name is familiar, he just took the position le- that was left vacant by Deuce. By, by Deuce. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> I, I think I think it's just a quirky story at this point. It's kind of crazy at the I think this is just yeah. an assistant head coach slash running backs coach before he literally has a day on the job. Um and it's worth pointing out this is the ninth guy that's interviewed for that job in Tampa. So this isn't a case of like, oh, he's gone for sure. This is horrible. Why does this sort of stuff always happen to the lines? But it is kind of crazy, right? It is weird and this was this is maybe my favorite coaching hire that they've made so far. So that frustrates me and makes me a little bit nervous because I think I think this guy's great. I think he I mean he he was being built to be an offensive coordinator um in Indy, right? Is that right? Yeah, Indy. Yes, in Indianapolis, um, yeah. And so to to kind of like be handed that and then have it immediately taken away would be pretty frustrating <laughs> and sad. Um but it's early. It, it's literally the first minutes of us hearing this news. Let's not quite panic when there's eight other candidates out there. Buccaneers are doing their due diligence. Hopefully we get to see what he does in Detroit before he goes. Okay. <laughs> and that's it. We're done with the podcast. I uh, want to thank everyone here. want to thank Jeremy, Ryan, and I'd like to thank you at home. You, the viewer the PBS viewer viewers like you. That's what it was. Viewers like you. I was waffling my brain there for a second. Anyway, we're, we're out of here until next time. Uh, by the way, check out the Aiden Hutchinson interview. If you haven't heard it already and listen to what anime Jamal Williams is putting him up on until then we'll see you star side. Pride to Detroit podcast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. It's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. That's right. Righteous Felon Jerky and Meat Sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park. 
Each two ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein, and each stick has eight grams of protein. Trust me, if it's good enough for the lions, it's gonna be good enough for you too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and they use locally sourced all natural black Angus beef, and they pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offerings. Go to RighteousFelon.com and use the promo code POD15 at checkout to get 15% off your order. That's promo code POD15 at RighteousFelon.com.